for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Indie Performance is an online nutrition coaching platform that specializes in helping strength athletes optimize their training, making weight classes, or just achieve their aesthetic goals without the steamed chicken and broccoli lifestyle. Head over to IndiePerformance.com. That's I-N-D-I performance.com to find out more. Ladies and gentlemen, wow, fucking uh, Instagram, we broke the internet or what's going on here? <laughs> what's, <laughs> what is going on here? The, uh, we got some traction going, huh? With this Taylor Howard. Any messages yesterday about or the last two days. <laughs> it's funny because um, when you post in Taylor post, now the comments are all like RPE, Taylor can't fucking touch this or like, like whatever. <laughs> They're like his comments are mentioning you. Your comments are mentioning him. It's crazy, man. It's a so I'm gonna go ahead. I'll play the um, the video clip and I'll get your uh, what was your initial impression, and then uh, I'll ask a couple questions from there. So let me do a quick screen share. If you don't hear it, would you find it more exciting, Taylor? If SPD is like fuck, there's a lot of hype on this. I think we can make this happen. And he does get an invite. Would it? Because right now, I'm all it, for it, man. I, it would be. A, anyone, would you be bring anyone? Bring John yeah. Hack. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I, I'm I'm on my shit right now. You know what? Personally, I think I'm better than John Hack. I talked about it before uh, that he's the goat of untested. I'm the goat of tested. Whatever that means. Uh, just think we're the best right now. Uh, tested and non-tested but personally i think that i'm better all right what was did you guys hear the volume on that yeah okay. yeah we heard. so what was your initial impression when you heard that i think we can make it oh, uh, at least confident uh, i mean it's it's kind of one of the things where like if you're at this level you have to think you're the best and um I, I did not really give too much into it. I was just like, oh, I got reposted yours. Like, oh, that's cute. Just kaha, whatever. And then like, I had just so many people messaging me and it just got so annoying that I was just like, all right, now now I'm annoyed with it. And then I posted that other one with uh, our head-to-head matchups because people were like, oh, because people were kept comparing like, oh, if you take Taylor's best total at uh, uh, 63 kilos and compare it to like John's best meat at when he was in the IPF, like he, he uh, told him like, yeah, that was 23. So <laughs> I'm like, if you want to compare us like one-to-one, we did those beats together. So we were it, on the same platform. It's funny. Your, your initial response though, even though it's just cute, it's funny. People are like when Taylor posts now, people are commenting cute. <laughs> like you you didn't overthink it but that simple response people are like they dive in you never know what pops on social media some things pop some things take on a life of their own but um i think you're right he is being confident and just 
probably saying like, I bet you a lot of people are like, well, not a lot of people, people at the top probably think this way. Like I am the best. Who do you think is the best pound for pound um, in the world currently today? And I think I am. That's what I would assume. <laughs> That's what I would assume. I definitely think Taylor is the best tested right now. Um, yeah, pound for pound for sure. I think uh, Bob Matthews could uh, take that title soon, but we'll see. That he, Bob Matthews is doing some crazy shit. He won uh, USAPL best lifter at their Nats, and um, yeah, he's gaining some momentum. He's just not had that pinnacle 838.5 performance Taylor had the one year and um he's kind of fresh but I agree man he's younger I think he's younger than Taylor by like almost a decade or so but uh and what do you think makes somebody the best it could be dots Wilkes IPF points showdown you know a combination of them I think you need to like you need to hit like those milestone numbers is definitely important because um you know, like an individual record is going to get taken, whether it's like if you total like, I don't know, 1930 or something like that, someone's going to come along and hit 1936. But like if you're the first person to hit like 2000 or 1800 or like a 10 time body weight at a weight class or something like that, I think those are important. Um, I know a lot of people talk about how oh, the, the biggest total is king in powerlifting. Well, our sport has weight classes, so I I, dis, I disagree with that. Um, and you just have to be not just uh, not just winning, but I think like dominating is part of it. Where like there's such a distance between like you and second place that it's not even close, really. I mean that you're right in terms of um, especially in our sport, records fall all the time, but milestones is what like who hit this first, you know, who hit, like you said, 2000 pounds or whatever, if it's a 400 kilo deadlift in whatever weight class. And that's where Taylor was saying, you know, I hit these dots, et cetera, first in the tested. And then, um, so he's looking over at the untested and all things you're doing, like, Hey, can we somehow compare these? Do you think it is comparable or do you think it's difficult? It's difficult to compare. It's good sports debate, but uh, it's also to compare, but, uh, like I saw one guy, I think you shared it with, he was saying that like, I would need to hit like a 967.5 kilo at 95 kilos to, uh, in IPF conditions to, to match Taylor's dots. And like, I actually, I did, I did the math beforehand. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm weighed 90, 95 kilos right now. Like I could e easily cut down to 205, 93 kilos on a two hour weigh in. And with that, I would need to hit, like 2105, which I, I don't think I'm losing 170 pounds on my total <laughs> just because of a, a stiff bar and feet down bench. So what I, is I, I feel confident I could hit like um, a 700 squat would be no issue. Maybe like 730-ish range, I think. Um, I feel right now I could hit like a 560 three bench and I don't think it would take too much to adjust to uh, flat feet because when I initially went to IPF I or uh, I had my heels up and I switched to flat foot and it didn't really make a difference so I don't think it would make too much but even if it did like 550 is 
pretty reasonable. And hmm. um, I feel like, yeah, like eight, I've, I've hit 848 on a stiff bar before and it felt pretty comfortable. I feel like I, I don't get that much out of a deadlift bar as, as some people think. Like I think I feel like I could get to like an 880 deadlift on a stiff bar, but these are all speculations. But so, do you ever think about taking away speculation, doing a meet where, all right, I'm going to like, there's got to be in the untested meets that are, you can weigh in two hours, stiff bar, or are you like, it doesn't make sense. I don't care enough to do that. <laughs> um, it would, it, you'd be able to compare yourself, not just to like Taylor, but just for the sake of comparison general, if this is, but I don't know if that interests you, if it's not enough yet. There's yeah. always a price. Everyone has a price. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If like if SPD wants to sponsor it, I will do. I will. They can fly me out, and I will do in the next room over a mock meet with some judges. That would be absolutely freaking bonkers. If you did, even you know, even if SBD didn't, you could literally do your own mock meet, like in the U.S. without yeah. flying out. You could literally just be like, "All right, guys, guess what." I'm going to be running a mock meet myself. Uh, but, what is the date of Sheffield? I don't even know. Um, it's in March. Uh, it's the last week of March. I'd have to. Oh, there we go. I was looking for a meet in March. Whoa, there we go. Indeed, man. I guarantee you people will raise their hand. Be like, I'll judge. Judges, real judges. will be like, I will come. I'll wait you in. <laughs> we'll do this. The hype would be absolutely insane. Um, but uh, yeah, that'd be freaking nuts though. I'll go off all I'm six gonna, right now. <laughs> I'm going to start a GoFundMe right now for it. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah, man, it'll be hype. Um, in what, what, who do you think, do you think there's anybody in the world? Who, who in the world do you think could beat you in a head-to-head matchup? Um, I mean, Jamal came kind of close with his, with the last meet because I missed my, second deadlift like if i had missed my third he would have been probably able to beat me but um that i don't know can't think of anyone unless i'm like really off on a day i can't think like if i'm on i don't think anyone can beat me that's the correct answer sir (laughs) that's you know you you share a shit that's what taylor would say (laughs) he would have been like no one next question <laughs> but uh what what did you think about did you hear um russ's comments about being the hardest worker in the sport uh yeah i thought that was pretty funny um i don't know <laughs> i thought it was kind of lame <laughs> but See, uh hey if if his intention was to get uh like clicks and comments and just be controversial it worked but uh like i've, I've joked with friends before i'm like hey i'm definitely not the hardest worker in powerlifting like i'm there's definitely guys that work harder than me, but I feel like I work smarter and I have good genetics and that has paid off pretty well for me. Yeah. It's crazy how much, um, that one post got like traction and how many people like talk about it. I think he was literally just tossing it out there, you know, whatever. It's just something you say, right. But not necessarily like, I think I literally outwork everybody else. I think you just throwing it out there. You should maybe keep to yourself if you actually think that. I, yeah, well, I don't know. See, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, Cause I think like it works. If your intention is let me toss it out there because traction cool. If it doesn't, whatever. 
I don't know. Like, do you think it was has negatively impacted? Do you think it? What do you think the impact has been so far? Net positive or negative? Um, I would say probably negative. I would think. I don't know, man. I'm not sure because I've talked about it several I, times on podcast. I think I think to people who aren't like a hardcore or a, like a regular follower of Russ's, they would think that's negative because they just think he's really cocky, but. If you are more of a closer follower, then you kind of he does say things a lot to like either motivate or just cause a little bit of drama. And I think he knows that like any PR is kind of good for him because obviously everybody started talking about it. So I, I think I think it's net positive personally. It's like look at the situation we have now. I don't know because it's not like um. here's the one thing at least Russ wasn't like attacking someone or whatever the heck like uh, saying anything offensive to get like a bunch of uh, clicks or whatever um, but yeah it's interesting but obviously there's a lot of hard workers man and it's gonna it's it depends on which side of the fence you are with in terms of how you like to carry yourself on the social media side um, and uh, well also I, I don't think the hardest Somebody who's hard working the hardest and working as hard as uh, working out as hard as you possibly can, that doesn't make you better or stronger either. Because pushing yourself all the time isn't the best thing for strength sports. So that's why, like, I didn't take it too personal. I was like, even if you are the hardest worker, it's, it's not like it doesn't mean you're going to be the best. So, well, that's what actually his coach said is like, we don't give medals for working hard and trying hard. It's not how yeah. sports work. Like someone who's in the middle of the pack might be the hardest working individual, most dedicated on their shit. And they're just in the middle of the pack. And it is what it is. That's there's no well, very rare is their participation awards. But um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's also just things people say too. If you're going at the showdowns and you tell yourself nobody works harder than me, no one wants it more than me or whatever. People are motivated different ways, but um, I got some, some names for you. And uh we could do the name game. I'll say your name, my friend. And yeah. if you want to give me your response, one word, two word, three words, whatever, it doesn't have to be tight. And, uh, and we'll, I'll rattle them off. So first name up Taylor Atwood. Great hair. <laughs> uh, uh, test a go. I'll get that. Um, all right. Nice. Russell or uh, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> no, um, eighty-three king, I guess, or eighty-two yeah. and a half, I guess. Now, eighty-two and a half. Uh, Dan Bell, Coors Light, yeah. or fuck them kids. <laughs> fuck them kids. Yeah. <laughs> Comes to mind as well. Um. Jesus Oliveras. Uh, what do you get red light for? Soft, soft lockout. Yeah, yeah, soft uh, lockout. That's cool. Oh, I'm kidding. Cool. Uh, I think he's. Uh, I think he's like going to be one of the future guys. Um, I know he talks about like he gets pretty offended by like not being included in the go conversation <clears throat> a lot. I'm like, you made that. I, I had a lot of people that typed me in like his post where he was like, "Oh, repping your your goats." Uh, squat max or something like that they're like oh do you have beef with him i'm like i did i have never talked to the guy but uh i think uh he just has to like he will be in that conversation it's just he's he's young right now so yeah give, I, give yourself time 
I think this is his first year out of the juniors. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, Ray Williams won the title five times, and I think he's at two. I mean, a few more years, he catches up, maybe get bypass. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, all right. Your old coach, Joey Flex. Um, I don't know what to say. Coach. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know a word to describe him. A single or word. two words. Remember, it doesn't have to be too. Uh, I mean, it could literally be like anime and just fucking keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. uh, a great coach. I'll just leave that. Fair enough. That's, a that's about of, as accurate. Under him. That's about as accurate as you can get. One. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Or 2016 could be a good answer too. Um, Jamal Browner. Yolo deadlift. Oh yeah. And I appreciate myself when I do the repos. Yeah, crazy. I love to watch it. I uh, I trained with um, Martins Lisi's the day after that happened, and it was, it was kind of cool to like see. To listen to like his perspective on it, and he he was like blown away by it too. So it's cool to see like strong men giving him props for it, even though they kind of like shit on sumo. Yeah, well, I mean, some things are undeniable, especially that body weight to be pulling 500 kilo. Yeah. Um, he's going to be at the Giants Live World Championship for deadlift. Oh, sick! I didn't know that. Yeah, well, so that he's slated to be. Let's see what happens when we get that far. But let's see what he does conventional with the sumo. Man, he's got some pulling power. Um, he'll, he'll, I think he could shock some people. Next name, Steffi Cohen. Um, come, I'd like to see her come back. That's it. That's dude. How crazy would it be if Steffi Cohen came back? Yeah. Like, I think there's a, I think there's definitely like strong girls on the untested side, but I feel like there's not that hype of like showdowns. Like, um, there was when it was like her, Mariana and CC going head to head. And yeah, I think like the more we can, the more like the girls that we can get to like the end side, the more of those matchups we're going to get and get more hype on that side of the piloting world. Since she left, I mean, she's a massive star, like a million followers, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're 100% right. Her and Mariana was like the pinnacle in recent years at the very least, maybe of all time. And then when she left, um, you know, there's a bit of a void. We got some, but like comparatively, like I, I think that like her coming back will let like girls like Hunter and Christy Hawkins like shine a lot mm. more. Yeah, for sure, because she'll bring those million followers back. Mm-hmm. And then whoever she goes, that's what happens to Mariana. You know, she got a lot of shine off that. And um, yeah, it's good for everybody. Yeah. Uh yeah, so come back for Steffi Cohen. Um, how about this one? Anyway. Who? Oh, anyway. Uh <laughs> he said who? <laughs> that was his reply. Fuck, forgot about him already. <laughs> You're dying in your sleep tonight. I couldn't hear what he said. I, I forgot that was the last one on the list. He sent me the list beforehand. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Friend. Oh, damn. You got friend zoned, Andy. What's happening right now, man? <laughs> What's happening it? right now, Andy? Did you guys fight before you came on? No, no. <laughs> friend, he got friended. Shit. All right, it is what it is. That was his, that was his only chance. Like I feel like friend is higher than training partner, though. So that's John, true. John has John has very few friends, so that's true. You? I have very few. 
Can you? I, I very like. I have like a lot of acquaintances, but like very few friends. Can you imagine? John said, "Training partner." How bad would that hurt? How bad if he didn't even say friend? No, it's 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 gonna be ex training partner too. Oh! After, after next week, Andy uh, goes. Andy uh, goes and ex friend too. If he keeps this shit up, because <laughs> right. Here's one more. One more. I want to sneak into the list. Six pack lapping at. Um, voice of. I, I guess every time I think of my like my 2016 meet, I think of your announcing. So I'll say like iconic in that sense. Oh shit, oh. son! They'll take it. That might even be better than Andy's friend. Maybe, kind of. I don't know. I don't want to start on here, but that was pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, listen, fellas. Um, change Andy's to a uh, belt, belt flip. What's that? Andy's can be uh the belt belt flick. That's right. Yeah. There we go. And you how do you feel comfortable with that, Andy? Yeah, I mean it's it's something uh original, I think. <laughs> it was a moment. Andy, what was yeah. your perspective on all this? Uh I, I think it's like you know, if you're if you're at this level, you have to think you're the best. Um it's just impossible to like really uh, have a black and white conclusion because there's no way they can like no way right now that they can compete like directly under the same circumstances um, but if you go off the past as far as you've already completed competed one on one against each other and John won so like technically he's up 3-0 to me you know and there's some people who are like you know they try to compare their best his best numbers when he was natural and, and and Taylor's, and it's just like that's, that's just unfair. Just like comparing John to Ed Cohn, it's just it's not it's not the same, you know, circumstances. So, uh, just it's just great talk, you know. It's great sports talk, and I love it. And I do agree that like Taylor's the tested goat, and um, but I, I do think it'd be fun to uh, put up some money and have a one-on-one showdown, and that's definitely possible. And I'll say, like, I think one of the arguments that, like, after Taylor had his, like, insane 838.5, like, a lot of people are like, oh, he he almost out-totaled Russ in the weight class above. And, uh, like, two months later, I, I literally did that. I, I out-totaled two weight classes above me. So, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that, that is one, one kind of c- comparable thing you could do is how much Taylor's dominating the whole overall tested, like, you know, above and below his weight classes, and then how much John is dominating his. I think John has been more dominant than Taylor. Because everything's so. difficult, like a in terms of like you guys said, Taylor's eight thirty eight point five compared to John in two thousand sixteen. Well, John was, you know, not peaked yet, um, and that's Taylor's peak. And then on the flip side, Taylor be like, when we went. 2015 16 he'd be like i wasn't peaked yet so then it's like their peaks aren't matching they're in different divisions it's all sports debate that you'll never get the answer which is what happens in sports debates which is like whatever that's why these things move on and on right but it is good i mean we are in the middle of um it's i was telling taylor at some point in your guys lives when your athletic careers are over it's going to be done, man. This is like um, it, your opinion when you say things, whatnot, are never more relevant to right now. Like, what's he think about this? 
what's you know what's what's his impression at all of this um but uh in oh one more question i wanted to ask you guys who do you think is the hottest power lifter right now in terms of hype in terms of traction in terms of potential for like events showdowns whatever i mean i'd say bob matthews and jesus are like the two up-and-comers that they can stay healthy i think they'll be uh the guys going forward what do you think andy oh i agree with bob um and as far as hottest i mean i it's so like what have you done lately Mm. At, uh, at American Pro, it was, I mean, it was Dan pulling what he pulled. And then, so it, it's just, like I said, wherever it competes the most recent. But as far as like long term and the future of power, I think definitely Bob is up there. But I, I, I do also think that uh, once Ashton gets out of school and all this stuff, I think he's going to make a comeback again and be strong again. He's kind of been up and down like lately. So, we'll have to see, yeah, how that plays yeah. out between him and Bob. Someone's going to emerge. It's like yeah. who's who's Agassi and who's Sampras of this situation, <laughs> right? Right. Someone's going to win more than they lose in these showdowns. You guys brought some friends, um, Garrett Blevins, multiple time IPF World's medalist. My friend, I remember commentating about you grabbing some medals back in 2017, 2018. Those are the freaking days, my man. And back in the Battle of the 105s, back-to-back Battle of the 105s, uh, like that was where the hev- most heavily hyped of both those two world championships, and you're right in the thick of things. If I'm not mistaken, you have broken a world record as well along the way? That is correct, yeah. I the held the total very briefly in that period for Christoph Wierbecki, uh retook it, and then I believe Bryce reset it, and it just kept circling around also the podium i think for those those two years when i was at ipf worlds in different orders and i believe did you take it from screamer i think it yeah i think so and he was there both at the 17 worlds which made the battle i remember the battle was all of these guys within the last year had the world total and we're all going to sort we're going to sort it out all at the same time who's number one that's that's what made it so very rare does that ever happen in powerlifting certainly yeah, well, it's a good thing we did it when we did because look at the monsters that are there now. Oh, Holy smokes, boy, it's a great time to be powerlifting. Speaking of, yeah, so um, we'll we'll get to, uh, let, let's throw in Mike T as well. Mike, on the comeback trail, um, a goat. Let me just say right off the bat, I got, I'm going to throw a little extra for Mike because he's not going to say all this himself, but uh, he's too modest of a man. But anybody who knows powerlifting, if you don't know Mike T, my God, he literally brought the RPE method of programming to powerlifting for years. This is used in with endurance athletes and they did their programming um, using essentially by heart rate and how to gauge and program like that other. It's not just by feel anymore. And overnight what endurance athletes and cycling and then the running did it just the numbers went kaboom. Mike T doing research back in the day now um, when he was winning titles, decided there's got to be a better way for auto regulation and for programming purposes. And forever, we are just on Excel spreadsheets off percentages. And there's got to be, a, if not a better way, another way. And it was Mike T who did this. And now we're so fucking used to it. And everybody puts in their ca- captions, um, you know, 300 kilo at seven. Yeah. That's a royalty to Mike T though. Huh? 
So Mike D, uh, part of RTS, obviously a genius programmer, um, literally revolutionizing how we program and uh, has been to multiple world championships. Can't tell you how many times to see him at world's Nats, world's competitor himself, world games, and um, on the comeback trail himself. And uh, Mike, I'm saying all this shit because I know you won't, my man, you're too humble, but thank you for being here, sir. Man, my pleasure. And thanks for, uh, thanks for the props. I appreciate that as always. You bet. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget where IPF Worlds in the lobby and I'm like telling Delaney Walls, Gavin, he's a young guy, he's early 20s. I'm like, <laughs> you know who that is? They're like, they're like, Mike T. I'm like, you know who Mike T's done? And they're like, what? I'm like, Mike, come over here for a second, my friend. And they're like, oh, shit. All of a sudden, they want to ask questions. And Mike's up to like 2 o'clock in the morning in the lobby. Turns into a fucking Q&A session with these young guys. But it is what it is. That's the best, though. That's the best times, you know? It Talking is. powerlifting in the lobby of some hotel room. God knows where you're at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been everywhere, buddy. We've been in a few different places, me and you. Yeah. But um, I got a few questions I want to ask some of you gentlemen. I'm going to start with Mike T. Mike? You did 895. What's your next move? You saw IPF Worlds. Lugo hit 920. Are you staying IPF? What's the deal here, Mike? Because you're getting people excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, plan is for now, I'm staying on the IPF side. Uh, I would love to go back to Worlds and, uh, you know, just be on that stage. You know, I try not to, at this point in my life, I try not to put too much more onto it than that but uh, like i tell people uh, lugo is very strong uh, there's a lot of other 120s that are very strong uh, so next up for me um, actually there's a competition in november that i'm planning to do and you know for now i just kind of want to build on the, the 895 there's plenty left in the tank uh, been training and getting stronger and want to build on that and hopefully do something cool and then we'll get ready for uh, PA Nationals in February. It doesn't take much more than that to all immediately become competitive at the world level. And this is fucking like, what year is this? This is crazy, right? So let's see what happens. That would be insane, my man. But it's tough because, yes, respect to Lugo. You got to deal with Lugo at PA Nats. And, and obviously, he's an insanely strong fella. But um, even then... How wild would it be to be, if I'm commentating PA Nats again, be like, okay, well, Mike T's hitting the platform and we're battling for the IPF world spot. This is crazy. I can't imagine what Lugo must be thinking. I got to hang out with him a bit in South Africa. I was down there coaching. He's such a good dude. I really yeah. like him. He's awesome. Uh, nothing, nothing but the best for Lugo. Yeah. Well, or second best on that day, but beyond that. <laughs> Well, best for happiness. I'm lift the best for me, and we'll see. That's right. That's right. Mike's so well spoken. You can't get a negative soundbite out this. Guy. I'm trying to go viral here, but Mike's, you know, told that line like a politician. Well said, sir. Well said, uh, Andy. How about yourself? What's next for you, sir? I'm. I've quit powerlifting. You officially uh, retired? No, no, no. Quit, quitting is the wrong word. I'm. It's on. It's on hiatus. Just no. I'm just kidding. I'm just taking. I'm just in my off season. I'm very. I'm going to be for the first time since I started powerlifting, just not focus on SBD, even like the off season version where I'm doing higher volume. I'm um, just going to stick away, stay away from the barbell as much. Uh, just mm. my body has just been beat up. Um, 
And I was planning to just do another meet in November, but as I kept training it just my injuries and small nagging pains just never went away. So I just decided to just shut it down uh, as far as the prep and then just get back into like what I think what got me, what got me such great success in my early powerlifting days is just my background in bodybuilding and all the volume and all the muscle I had built up and then just, uh, you know, transitioning into strength training peaking uh, helped me explode but um i need to get back into that and just you know my joints and back and everything just kind of pissed off and just uh, irritated from years of pushing it so hard and just mentally you know i hit that thousand kilo uh pr or total and i don't have any specific goals after that so it's just my motivation is not that high either and mm. john's moving so i just just a terrible combination you're not yeah. over it yet. <laughs> not over, Bro, but... I knew it was going to come up. And it was going to be touchy. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it's actually great timing because now I can focus on uh, really uh, pushing this app and, and um, you know, doing whatever I can to uh, help people out and make, make it the best the way it can and just getting it out there so that people know uh, all the great things that I can do for them. And just, figure, just, you know, focus on other things in my life besides just competitive powerlifting. I'm, I'm just very all in on stuff like that. So it, it's going to be like the first time in a long time where I'm not like, where powerlifting isn't like a dominant, like part of my daily life. So, mm. yeah. Garrett, I got a word. I, I can't, can't not say anything. Uh, I think that's a really smart decision, Andy. I think that I've seen lots of people kind of in your position uh, that, you know, they, get to this point in their powerlifting career and actually taking a step back from it uh, moves their lifts forward in ways that they didn't expect uh, when they kind of started down that road. So even from a powerlifting perspective, it seems like smart decisions from my end. Have you heard yes, about sir. the Mike T comeback? Yeah. I can not, that, <laughs> that chapter hasn't, isn't I, over yet, but it's, following maybe, his maybe a, a tearjerker. <laughs> it's a tearjerker. Let me tell you right now, Garrett, I want to ask you, sir, with um, all your moments, you've had battles on the uh, on the nationals, the USAPL Nats, IPF Worlds. What is the number one moment for you? The one crowning moment you look back at that was that was my fucking moment right there. And obviously, you broke in the world record, uh, but you were in battles too. I don't know which one. What means most to you? It could be a single lift or a single event. There's two I like, but they're very different. Um... The one that I remember the most fondly where it's just a great day was when I did take the total world record briefly at the Arnold Sports Festival. That was a great moment because it was like, oh, a prep that like went according to plan for once, you know, like everything finally clicked and worked out and it was a really fun day. It was also great to lift with the people who were, who were lifting then. Um, might have been one of the only times I lifted with Ray Williams, but he was in that that mix too. We just had so many people there, so that that was cool. a ton of fun. Yeah, it was like uh, LS McLean, Ray Williams, and I. I think we were, I think we were like first, second, third on like the the winners. That it was just a super fun day. There have been so many though. I mean, it's hard to pick. Another one I like is when I passed out and like fell backwards. Dude, and, like, that was I. <laughs> It was such a hilarious, like, got shot in an old Western movie, like, you know, Clint Eastwood style, like, stumble backwards 10 steps before you fall out of the the saloon or something. But that one was really funny. I was awake 
almost for most of it. Like I remembered trying to catch my balance, but couldn't. So th- those were fun times. I know it seems like I'm washed up and don't lift anymore, but I, I will be at this November meet with Mike and I no might be shit. too fat to go down into the two thirty ones. So I might have to, to lose to Mike. So no, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be okay. I think Bryce Lewis might be there too. I've heard rumblings of that. That'll be a weird meet. Oh in Arizona. Like, so, so, so Bryce might go the IPF route. Maybe who knows? Well, I mean, yeah, it's no official thing. See wow. what he says. You this have to is, talk to him the... to get the true story. I'm just here spreading rumors. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm spreading rumors. Hopefully, he's attached to the app. This shit goes viral. <laughs> Let's make it work, man. Uh, um, wow, would that be? It would crazy... be weird for Bryce to be in the 90s, me to cut down to the 105s, and Mike to be in the 120s. We would have a question of what year is it um, at that, that be, point. <laughs> that would be the wildest. If Bryce goes, because he would have to go 93, you yeah. go 105, Mike a 120. If you guys walk into fucking PA Nats, what the hell is going on right now? That'd be the craziest, the wildest. You guys all at PA Nats. And then f- let me just throw this out here. John goes there too. John at 83. Let's fucking go, baby. <laughs> Let's fucking go. That's what the app told him to do, but he just That's picked right. up this weird looking shield and chucked it at it. So I, yeah, I yeah. Know what the deal is. Wow. All right. Here's another one um, I, I got for you guys. What do you guys think is the number one John Hack moment? The pinnacle. What's the big one? The one that stands out. You want me to go first? You go first. Same every day, baby. I get it. It's a classic. But um, so many firsts wrapped around it. Said it before, I'll say it again. 2016 versus Brett Gibbs. Killeen, Texas. Fucking there's I haven't commentating ever since. That was the first one for me. And I've never fucking felt it again. That was it. John ruined me, man. The hack Gibbs was it, man. That was that was a pinnacle. I've never all the different showdowns I've done ever since then. And how big it's gotten and how many more people are involved and how many more viewers. That one was fucking the wildest for me. In that video, anyways, it is what it is. I'll go on. But uh, for me, that was a big one. Now, how many times I've gone online or watched streams, that impacts us as they're live, right? But um, and it, it's like, what is fucking John going to do now? Which, like, it's, 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 we're almost spoiled. We're almost spoiled because of what John's doing, right? Um, but at that moment, he was vulnerable. And not only vulnerable, might not have been the favorite. And that was what was dicey. And um, I'm North American, so I was leaning towards the North American and all this. Nothing against Brett. I love Brett. But um, it, so, but he was vulnerable, man. And it was like, fuck, I don't know who's going to win this. Right to the very last deadlift, and Brett was going to pull it. And that was um, what made it. Now we're seeing some crazy shit, and it's some can't-miss crazy shit as well. Uh, you know, and fucking who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But that, that's mine. Anyways. I just lost Mike. Mike. Mike got Mike got offended. He got too excited. No, he's he too got, excited. Yeah, he he's got to throw some water in his face right now. I was like, "Fucking!" I need, Gibbs. I need to. I need to go last, so I'll be last. Okay. All right. Well, what do you think, Garrett? Um, I was going to mention the same one. I didn't want to just make it like uh, he needs to come back on the uh, the tested side or not. But I remember the hype for that. Um, that was back when I was first really getting into competing seriously, and I remember that rivalry. And it was so much smaller even then. Um, 
And I remember it like, this was exciting. It was an exciting time. And I remember learning about seeing what, what Brett was doing in his training and John and following along with that and just being like, I need to get a lot stronger because these people are in this lower weight class and they're making me feel real bad about myself. So yeah, that, I feel like that was a, an amazing rivalry and it's kicked off so many great rivalries that have been hyped up in good ways. And I think that also speaks to the sport. Our rivalries are different than other sports. I've always appreciated the way in which competition has taken place in powerlifting. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's when I first learned about John and it's just been really cool to, to see what I still, I consider he, he'll say it himself. I don't know if greatest of all time is there yet. He has his own goals, but I think greatest of the era is, is pretty arguable um, at this time. And to see that and be part of that and watch it through is exciting. Dog, you just coined a new phrase, greatest of the era. There it is. There's the new fucking phrases. There's a hashtag for you. John, did you see that somebody had finally, finally, in a sport when um, records last like six months, your squat junior record lasted six years. But this year at the IPF Junior Worlds, that kid uh, broke your record. It, your, I remember it was on the air with Gavin Aided and um, the 83 is about to squat and the world records loaded up. And I know, I know whose record this is. And I'm like, Gavin, what does that say right there? And it's three Oh threes because of the integer there. You're like, you know, that's a world record. He's like, Oh, that's a world record. That's a world record. Gavin, do you know whose world record that is? And he's like, no, I don't. I go, look it up for me. And then he looks and you see Gavin look up. Cause this is before Gavin Aiden was like powerlifting. He's a young guy. And he's like, Holy shit. I go, that's right. It's John Hacks. He's like, this is John Hacks world record. This kid from Italy is going to try to take it. Right. Um, and, and now Anna, Horo from uh, he's he was at Worlds and um, he he wants that junior world record total. How does it feel like to see these kids taking these records? Is it like proud? Is it like ah shit, my name's gone, or is it like well, it had to happen? Uh, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say I like keep up with like IPF junior worlds every year to see if my total record gets broken. Um, I don't know. It's it's like a weird feeling because like. I do like it, but also I love to see like the sport progress. Right. And like, um, I do like Anna too. So it's, it's like, I definitely like want someone to like who I like to like break it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I don't know. For sure, man. Look at, they said, um, I think it's a baseball player who said, look, your name gets brought up and then your name gets brought up again when people are starting, when your records start falling and people get to relive. Like that moment I had with Gavin and, and that moment happened and it's, it gets brought up when it gets broken. Right. Otherwise who's checking over and over, who's got certain records, like it, you know, it, it recycles and then you tell the story and then it brought me back to the story of, yes, it was John Hack and it was supposed to battle against Brett Gibbs. And that was monumental. And this is now here we are again, six years later. And like, you know, it's, it's part of sports history. It's going to happen again. Um, but yeah, so the squat's gone, and the squat was big. And for a junior to fucking do it was very – six years is forever, John. You had a good run with it. it took that long. I thought the – like an Australian or New Zealander that's like – I thought he was going to break it. I can't remember. There was a kid who was close, but I think he got injured. Um, yeah. I, thought, I can't remember his name. He, I, he went uh, – fucking damn it. Belgrove or whatever from Australia. At one point, was close. Tim Monogatti. Uh, as a junior came close. Like there were some people who came close, but um, I mean, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough to put it all together on that day. 
doing it in training is one thing, but doing it IPF worlds where it's there's sticklers for depth and everything. Like you buried yours and you had to, um, the big one is going to be your total. That's the, that'll be the tough. All right. You got squat. Cool. But the total's going to be tough. And, um, I don't know, maybe Enna's going to take it and he thinks I'm going to take this and he wants to lure Russ back to the IPF. And that's, these are big names like attached to these world records. So it was like, I'll take hacks junior, take Russ's open. And then let's see who wants to whatever. Like this is ambitious. I don't know, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I watched, uh, IPF worlds when Anna like w- went for that deadlift. I was, I was screaming. I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it. When people are like, um, put it, okay. Put it this way. Everyone's talking about bench rules. And I'm like, uh, and they're like, if they go after the bench rules on depth, is sumo next? And I'm like, they're not touching sumo, dog. Let me tell you something. I've never in my life had everybody go nutso for Eddie Berglund bench press world record, but everybody goes crazy for the Enahoro deadlift because that's what sumo pole can still do. You're not going to, if it's Eurosport, whoever's watching, like that was a phenomenal. I don't even know the powerlifting. That was a showstopper. I don't, I don't think the sumo is a problem with the IPF. I think it is in like the untested with the deadlift bar. Like, yeah, that might uh, like you have extra space to like go wider. And then you have like an extra, maybe like two or three inches where that bar bends. And that's when you mm. get the three inch lockouts. Yeah, no, you're right. It looks way different. That's why when you have some people, who are in the IPF or USAPL pulling on a deadlift bar. It's like we, and your sumo like, we kind of, well, all right. You're, you're lifting for the gram at certain points. Um, how do you, how do you guys feel about like these rule changes? Do you think scary, inevitable things will happen? I like it. But, I, I understand like where it came from. I wish that, uh, it it appears to me that the vetting process before publication was not sufficient because how else do you publish a rule where when most powerlifters read the rule, they don't know what it means? You know, I, I think that's, come on, <laughs> you know, we got to do, we got to pull something better than that. Uh, so, I mean, whatever we want to do in terms of, make rules but make them clear you know i'm a fan of uh kind of pete spence's idea of like let's get rid of a bunch of rules that are you know hard to enforce they're vague they're not contributing to you know an unfair playing field you know uh and let's get rid of rules that uh are just uh, not in keeping with the, the spirit of what we want in powerlifting, you know, like I saw at Worlds last year, bunches and bunches of deadlifts would get turned down for, you know, soft knees that lock out. But when you look at them, these aren't people who were unable to lock their knees. These are people who didn't give a sufficient quad flex at lockout, which is not really what that's about, mm. you know. And I get it. There's the there's the the letter of the law there. Uh, but then, you know, there's the the spirit of it too, and I think there's a mismatch there. Nobody did anything wrong in that situation, but you know, the our keeping of the rule book uh, should seek to kind of make those things more and more aligned, and uh, I think we could do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping there's more 
literature and details. And um, as this thing rolls out, we have a little time. I think a shitstorm ensued and they're going to wait till the shitstorm passes and then maybe some more comes. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Well, hopefully we do got a little bit of time. Garrett, what were your thoughts, sir? I have to be uh, be honest. I'm one of those athletes that doesn't understand the rule and just figure I can't arch very well, so it doesn't affect me. I don't. I, I really didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. To be totally honest, it didn't bother me that people could arch giant. Maybe it should, but I I'm just kind of the way I'm like, hey, well, you you touched your chest, it was motionless, and you pressed it. That's what I consider a bench press rule. Keep your feet on the floor, keep your head on the bench, whatever. Maybe I'm simple, but I just kind of focused on my own training and I'm like, well, I just need to bench more. And if somebody's going to come in and they can do that and bench a lot more, well, then I need to get stronger. I, I'm not going to whine and complain about the rules and, oh, it's unfair. Oh, they have such a It's like everybody's got advantages. People have femurs of different lengths. People have arms of different lengths. Where do we, are we going to say that somebody needs to like their arms too long. So they need to attach the bar to their like wrist. Cause they're getting to like yeah. where, I mean, how much are we going to control this and make it a level playing field? Like what if it's at not what point for that? Does, what yeah. if it's this, what if it's this sort of cut you off, but like, you're yeah, right, you go, you're you're good, right you're for good. that. You're, you're at, you're 100 right in terms of trying to control the level playing field. I'm what if it's as the viewer, I want to see action and um, some benches will suck the it's life weird. out of you. And it's like, I am dying a slow death. If I get like five benches like that in a row, it's, uh, it's, it's tough, my friend. And I, when you do session, it's only five, five inches there. That's just not enough for you, guys. If if it's, um, five inches enough for me, guys. Well, I was waiting for (laughs) someone. I set it up there. Yeah. Um, So yeah. But if it's like, Hey, people are, people hate. I mean, when you have, let's say there's a viral post, what's it going to be? It's going to be negative. It's going to be hateful. There's going to be general population, the bros. And let's say it's a female lifter that's benching more than their max. Oh, the hate is going to pile in. Hmm. And like I said, maybe I should care more from a sports standpoint. I, I don't really care because I'm like, okay, if it was me and I had this super arch, what would I do? Well, I'm like, well, I can either continue doing this in my garage and enjoy my great bench, or I can go demonstrate it on a platform somewhere. And somehow that means something. But for me personally, it's like, well, do I feel fulfilled in what I'm doing? And the moment I don't feel fulfilled in what I'm doing, I'm going to do something else because I'm not here for everybody else's opinion. I'm here to do what I think is right. I think it's kind of like what Andy was saying about him moving to bodybuilding for a while. It's what he thinks is right. It's what John was saying when he's like, well, I'm going to make my off season the way I think is right. It's Mike following the trail of athlete response and respecting that different people are going to need different programming. It's kind of a philosophical view of like, you do you, I'll do me. From a logistical standpoint of our sport though, yeah, it might look bad. Like it would be really interesting to me to have a person, this is maybe more from a, uh, to, to flip over to a totally different perspective, almost like a religious perspective, voluntarily say, hey, this is bad for the sport and bad for our growth. If I'm setting the world record in the bench press with this crazy arch, I'm going to voluntarily limit myself. I don't think we live in a world that does that when we're in a competitive stance. And when we're in a competitive space, people should use every advantage that they can because we're all trying to win. To take that away from somebody I don't know. I That's where I'm just kind of like, well, they can do it. But at the same time, we only let the bar go so low on the back. It can't go past the rear delt. Um, we only let the bench grip go so wide. Um, 
you know, we have the bar, like John was saying, we have various bars and we have plates at various widths. And if you got a deadlift bar and you can put your feet out another two inches, that's different. At some point I'm like, did we get away from the, the focus here, which is to go out and display how strong we are um, and to use our bodies to move weight with these, in some ways, arbitrary standards. I mean, in some ways they just are arbitrary. So I guess that's fine to change the rules because the rules were created in the first place. So you can change them. But I, I, that was a very long rambling answer to say, I don't really care that much. I'm focused. Like if, if it was against me, I would acclimate to it. And as it's not against me and there were people doing it, like I didn't, I didn't care uh, like Jonathan's crazy bench when I think he's done a couple meets as one Oh fives. Hey, if I wanted to beat him, I better get my squat better or my deadlift better or make my bench better. Something's got to give, but I think of it as let me get better than that person rather than try to get a governing body to limit them so that I can win. That feels like a hollow victory in some ways. Um, but it wouldn't be like, I'm looking at it from like, um, purely, I don't, I'm not worried about, uh, if I'm looking at a sport, I want to be entertained. Sports is entertainment as an entertainment piece. I get it. Where if, if everyone's like, Hey, I don't mind if you do this, but I I'm watching and I do, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> I will fall asleep. Like, like it's like a sports all the time are like, how do everyone has these conversations about how do we make powerlifting more enjoyable? How do we make it more enjoyable to watch? What can we fire? Do? The, the weights should be on fire. Right. Right. But, um, so if the IPF is like, look, we, we think like these, these one inch range of motion, isn't going to do it. But like Ennis lift was fucking phenomenal. There's enough action, enough pieces to him off the ground. Holy shit. It's coming off the ground. Knee lock, knee lock. Whoa. It's coming out so much action in that. doesn't matter if it's sumo or not. Whereas if you got a crazy arch, there's so little action in everything where it's literally like nobody gets excited for it. It's not entertaining. Um, I shouldn't say nobody, but like, I, I think the real issue is that bench is boring. We know it's all about the squat anyway. So, I mean, isn't that what we're ah, really talking about here? Doggy, doggy. Oh, there's a squat artist. What are you thinking? Uh, Mike, you, you, you look like you wanted to weigh in for a second there. I was going to kick it back to you, actually. Like this is kind of framed up as a rule that's supposed to uh, make powerlifting more palatable to non-powerlifters. And I think you have, like as a commentator, you've got better perspective on that than somebody like me is going to have. So I was kind of wondering what your thoughts are. So here, like in terms of um, casting a net for powerlifting A to be more, if, if we're ever going, if everyone wants to throw ideas around to make every uh, powerlifting more popular, um, or even just snagging more people, like we're we have more athletes. And, uh, and people tuning in than ever. And even for the first time, we have some people who aren't even athletes. You're just gym guys who actually will watch screams and start following John Hack and shit like that. Um, so we're starting, we're, we're getting bigger, bigger, bigger. If we're going to start throwing a bigger net, we need to go beyond just like, for instance, when you talk to lifters and be like, are you okay competing with someone with an arch? It's like, gotcha. You probably, cause you're, it's like, a. It's like the guy who who's in the boxing match and they're like, why don't you ask the fighter if he wants to continue? Because with all due respect, that's why he's the fighter. He'll always say yes. He'll never say no. And he'll never back down. Same thing with lifters. They'll always be like, let them march. Let them come. We'll rock and roll. I'll get my squat bigger. You're supposed to have that mentality. That's 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 good. That's a good thing. But it doesn't necessarily mean for the enjoyment of the viewer or the sport to grow or to get on mainstream TV. We're starting to get on bigger, bigger TV or become more entertaining, period. Um, you know, sometimes 
you, you just got to look at it and be like, how do we make this package more entertaining? And for me, um, I think we, this is a small adjustment. It's literally action. Is there action here? If there's no action there. Like, what can we do? Sports do this all the time. Different sports will be like, how do we increase action and change the football, the hockey, the baseball? So the action is more, more of it, whatever. And I think we're doing this with our sport right here with this. What exactly, how it rolls out? I agree with Mike. I have questions with how it rolls out. I want it to be across the board, un- unanimous and the same, and where it's not funky and it's overly debatable and it's got to be clear what's expected of everybody. But um, yeah, that's my spiel. Mike was wrestling one of his children. I don't know if he got most of this. <laughs> I'm listening, but yeah, that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries, my man. Andy, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm on the same uh thoughts of like garrett uh but also like i don't see it as much in the untested world so it's not a big deal to me but when i see it like on instagram or on on, online it is kind of just like like oh that's like that's not a fun bench to see but it is part of the like they are taking advantage of the rules or it's within the rules so it's i don't complain or anything so uh, I understand both parts of it, but um, I don't know. It just, it's just, I, from a sports entertainment perspective, yeah, like like football and other sports are always changing to make it more entertaining and more, more fun. So I, I get it. So, Ryan, how's your weightlifting history? What's that? History. How's your, how's your, how's my weight, like Olympic weightlifting history? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, um, it's not going to be like powerlifting. I'll tell you that right now. But I know some. I know he. Mine is not great, but uh, I was having a conversation with somebody who I'm, I'm easy to trick in this space. But they were telling me that uh, that when weightlifting eliminated the press, it kind of followed an arc similar to this. That the press was harder and harder to judge. Uh, it started coming with more and more. Uh, restrictions and requirements. It wasn't that entertaining. I know. I Didn't know. Yeah. There. That's eventually true. the press gets eliminated. Well, this is what happened right. um, because you guys had it. Well, for instance, at one point, the guy who had the bench press world record also had the Olympic lifting, one of their, their records, the press. And they started leaning further and further back when they did it. And they said it wasn't the tr- how they originally envisioned it. So that was their version of the arch, was they're leaning back like a motherfucker so they eventually turned it into a bench press while standing up and they're like that's not our vision when we first had this eventually they took this out gentlemen i think my teacher said take the fucking bench press out of the uh three list and there it is there's my sound yes. bite. i finally got mike to say something <laughs> controversial there you go <laughs> we got I'm still, there i'm still waiting to hear andy's favorite john moment um it may be not related oh. to the platform at all so i, yeah. I want andy wow. to, I, i'm He's very gonna get emotional. they're breaking up right now moving across the country i mean this could be heartfelt okay so a close second is when john totaled a thousand kilos last year at, at the showdown and, and breaking literally three weight class world records totals. Yeah. Um, but the number one that's always in my mind is uh, when the broomstick challenge was a thing. Oh, and then you have to like oh. put the broomstick behind your arms and you sit on your knees and your face and you got to <laughs> yeah. stand up. And <laughs> John, awesome. John being Captain America just took the biggest <laughs> fall face plant. 
<laughs> it's the only reason why I'm nervous about this AI if John can handle this fucking if he's got to fight this thing. When you repost and said this is Earth's mightiest warrior or mightiest hero and he he struggled. He he came back. He did there was a second there was a reply to it and he got it. So I I did it. I did it film it. And then I was like, "Oh, actually I can do it. Like I'll film it this time." Oh, wow. <laughs> was the second attempt. And then is that the way it is? You I was like, "Fuck!" Now I gotta do it a third time. You can't avenge something until it's gone horribly wrong first. Yeah. Okay, right. that's how this works. That's right. That's how the that's the story arc we we're looking for. That third act, though, you got it in this third act, buddy. Uh, Don't worry uh, about it. No, I'm gonna grab myself to sleep. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he had that one in the holster. I didn't even tell him I was gonna ask this at the end. He's always got one holstered. Um, and you guys had given a little bit of a sneak peek that you were gonna return. And talk about your latest project and left everybody waiting. That podcast blew up, by the way. So I know anyone who heard it knows this is coming. And um, Andy, you had said you were bringing in some big names involved. Uh, We know about Garrett and what he's done in terms of working with apps. And he's a genius, not only a phenomenal athlete and a world-class athlete, but what he's done in the back end with some apps and the expertise he brings. You got John Hack, a goat. I'm told you got uh, Kristen Dunsmore, as well, who's, you know, won national titles lifted at the uh, world level and as a coach herself, an elite level coach who's guided people to the world championships herself as a coach. So she's done it on and off the platform. My man, you've assembled yourself a dream team. You got your Voltron forming. What exactly are we looking at here? Well, I, I, I can't take uh, credit for assembling this team. I'm just always like in the right place, right time with like all these great groups of people. And I'm just thankful that Garrett asked uh, me and uh, along with everybody else to be a part of this uh, amazing new uh, app that we're uh, that we just launched. Um, but yeah, like I said, Garrett's the mastermind, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I don't know, you know, what I've done compared to all these people's uh, uh, resumes, but um, thankful, excited to be a part of this. Uh, but basically, we have uh, Evolve AI. Uh, it is a artificial intelligence program um but i've i'm i'm really excited to talk about it, but i think garrett would be like the best person to give uh more background on it since, since he's his baby and he's been working on it for many many years and uh i i i just kind of hopped on on the, the tail end to just help uh you know i'm, I'm just the the marketing man i just get the word Dude, out there so he's you the pretty right face job. i don't know why you don't want to say it andy you're, you're the pretty face that's driving that's right, this whole that's thing right. forward the- man just come out and say, it's okay you can Okay. Okay. I'll be the pretty face in the voice. Well, you're the one who made this happen. You put us all together in the same group chat and decided, Hey, look, let's, let's put this together. But um, yeah, well, I had queued you up Garrett beautifully in this intro about what you bring in terms of your expertise. And it looks like I was in line. So um, exactly how did this come about my friend? Yeah. So Andy's very humble. Um, He has certainly helped in pulling people together and really as we've been pulling these, there's so many amazing people involved in the project now. Um, another is our chief scientific officer, Dr. Jacob Gooden. When you're trying to pull, you know, Andy and John, they've got their own business. They have an awesome app. Um, they're already working with companies and putting out amazing training. Obviously, Mike Tashir has had reactive training systems going since uh, the stone ages of the internet when nobody was doing anything, right? Uh, and these people have been in this game. Kristen getting her PhD, um, amazing researchers, doing a lot of stuff. How do you get all these people to come together? And I think that's where we've all caught the same vision. And we have this vision of something 
beyond. You referenced it before, you know, you had percentage-based training on Excel sheets back in the day and Mike Tashir, you know, a Copernican shift to RPE. And now you see the at seven, at eight, at nine, at sub six, whatever. Uh, you see that everywhere now. And it was a, a shift in training. Um, one of the more recent shifts I've seen is the shift towards technology and apps and AI coaching. I've made systems, uh, my own system. I worked with Kimberly Walford, Matt, Susie, Gary, uh, Chad, Wesley Smith. And so I've done these various systems with various coaches, but where my heart really was at, uh, and I know that Mike's a, a kindred spirit. We want to <laughs> unlock the training secrets of the universe and truly get down to what what is the optimal way to train. And to do that, I knew I needed to reach out more than just a single coach, more than just a single system. Uh, instead of looking at the status quo or what's been done before, really look to the future. And that's why we've pulled together obviously world-class athletes, industry-leading coaches, but also researchers. Uh, Kristen, an amazing athlete, an amazing coach, is also a PhD candidate. Dr. Jacob Gooden has an entire university lab. Uh, there was a video that was done. Uh, it should be on Juggernaut's YouTube, actually. If you look it up, it's a deadlift study that we put out. You can see Dr. Gooden there as well. Um, there are more. There's more to training and there's more to this sport of powerlifting and strength sports generally than we've seen before. There's more shifts that can happen, just like the RPE shift with Mike that he pioneered back, you know, that's probably what, 15 years ago now, Mike, almost. Um, there's more of those in the future. Yeah. And we need to reach out and grab those. Uh, they're not just going to fall on our laps. And what this project is really about and why there, there's really, I wouldn't say there's one person at the head of it. We each bring integral pieces that are going to work together, that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts when you pull athletes and researchers and coaches and technology. And really, I feel like the tech technical piece is like the lamest piece. It's really the people with the boots on the ground and the experience and you know, the people actually, you know, putting motion caption sensors or drawing out blood for lactate levels or whatever the researchers do with science these days, that these are really the pioneers. And my role is to create an expert system that can get that through to everybody at an affordable price. Because, well, it would be great to hire Mike. How many people in the world can hire Mike as a one-on-one -on -one coach? How many people can have access to his expertise or to John's or Andy's? How many people can actually reach over to Kristen and say, hey, Kristen, I have this uh, research question. Can you help me with it? Um, it's very difficult for people to access that knowledge. It's very difficult to know which articles you should read, what research is really looking at actual athletes, or is it just looking at people that have trained for the last three months? You know, are these answering the types of questions that we have? And that's where I wanted to amass a team and direct research, not just follow its trail and see what people were doing, but actually direct the research in the directions that we want it to go. And that's why having coaches that are industry leaders with their fingers on the pulse are so necessary to this project, while also keeping in touch with athletes who are, do who are actually doing these protocols, lifting day to day. Obviously, Mike is an athlete and a coach, as is Kristen, as is Dr. Gooden. And so pulling those together helps with that domain-specific knowledge and understanding of competition uh, that just makes it so much more seamless when you're working together, rather than somebody strictly doing research in an ivory tower somewhere, not really understanding how it's, how it's lived out in day-to-day -day life. And what I bring is, I put that into an expert system so that we can spread it out across to everyone and give everyone immediate access to the best possible coaching at something that they can actually afford instead of two or $300 a month to two or three people, which is what you would need to be doing to get the value of this system. Yeah. It's, um, it's, in, it's interesting that you got also like Kristen and Mike 
who obviously you have a male and a female doing, because everyone knows when it comes to programming, women in terms of like the volume they can uh, respond towards and how many reps they can get close to their one rep max might be different than a man's. And like having this kind of input is important, right? To have like a bit of a spread as well as John, Andy, everybody spread across. Whether it's men's, women's, tested, untested, you have a lot of different, um, you know, knowledge going into this app and everybody brings something to the table. That's different. Even the difference between John and Andy, they're different sized men in different outputs. And like you, it's, if you just did an app based on John, I think people are going to die out there. It's just right. If it's like, look at based off what John could do, you should be able to do this. What, but you could also use his input um, for the outliers and be like, look at if this can work for John Hack, if you want to get down and dirty and see how far you could push this. So you have like a huge spectrum working for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that was absolutely the point is to, to have people of different perspectives that it's not, it's not just one system. It's not just one philosophy. Every system I've made up to this point, including my own, it was based on my philosophy, but that limits the system with my knowledge. An expert system, for those that don't know, it's a type of artificial intelligence that has three main components. It has a knowledge base, which is basically information that's put into a server. It's, it's Think of it like every possible set, rep, and intensity combination for every possible exercise or something like that, like coaching possibilities. The next piece is the inference engine, which is the rules-based system where you're actually going to put the logic of a coach, an expert in that field, that's going to properly pull the pieces from that database and actually put it together into a program. You're going to select the right pieces for the right person. And as you just mentioned, gender is going to play a role. Weight class is going to play a role. Tested, untested plays a role. Uh, experience level, age, and you're gonna, you can, list can go on and on of all the factors that are going to change, which pieces might we want to start with. And then you have the third part of the, uh, the expert system, which is the user interface. And the user interface is how a person, the user, is actually going to interact with that knowledge and give feedback into the system. And it creates this loop where you have every possible opportunity or option that a person can use. You have a rules engine that's guiding that process and selecting it. And then you have a person that starts using it. And as they use it, they feed back into that inference engine. And the inference engine is going to update which pieces it's going to select in the exact same way that an expert would and a coach would. So that's what the system is. But obviously, the more knowledge that you can plug into the system for your possibilities, different ways of doing things, and the better your inference engine can be because you have checks and balances from different perspectives, the more optimized the coaching is going to be and the faster you're going to be able to get the right answer to that person. Uh, back to what Mike used to say a, a whole lot and still does, how are we going to get the right weight on the bar today? There's a right weight out there. How are we going to get it? And mm. figuring out that process and streamlining that for people into a really easy to use, you know, user-friendly app interface rather than trying to go through like, and I did this, Excel spreadsheets or Google Sheets on your phone and you're trying to like manipulate, you can miss whole things. I remember doing a program with a coach where they had uh, hidden rows on their Excel sheet. And so you had to hit the little plus to expand the rows out. I didn't even know that. I was like doing half the workout because the back offsets were hidden. And these sorts of issues that just need to be streamlined by properly making the user interface, by optimizing the inference engine, and to make sure that the knowledge base that we have is coming from all available sources of knowledge and not just one single style. When you pull all that together, again, you get something where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Um, and it moves towards what I think is the future of training. So how does it work in terms of, are you, do you when you log in, if I'm 
brand spanking new to this thing. It's just asking me a series of questions and I'm answering the questions, filling out survey style and based off of, and how many, how many questions, how intricate is it? Is it uh Oh boy. So you're going to have, you're going to have your age. You're going to have your training experience. You're going to have your gender. You're going to have your weight class. You're going to have your height. You're going to have historic recovery. You're going to have historic workload, historic recovery. Like, you know, how do you get doms a lot? You know, are you sore five days after workouts or do you immediately feel fresh? Mm. Um, historic workload. Do you usually handle well with high frequency? What's your life stress like? Is you, are, are you working construction? You know, are you, are you a fireman that is, you know, going out fighting fires for four days and then coming back on, you know, what's that look like? Is your job just extremely stressful uh, mentally? Um, how far away are you from competition? Do you want to start with an off season? Do you want to use certain types of periodization um, that seem to work better that you already might know? Do you know that you do well with a, you know, heavy week, light week, heavy week, light week, alternating style? Do you want to use a linear style that ramps up? Uh, do you want an undulating style that's really going to be something more mixed with kind of a heavy, medium, light sort of organization? And then once you get into the app, do you want to have benchmark sets do you want to have a single at eight followed by a triple at nine do you want to do a set of five at eight followed by an amrap at 70 percent like mike was doing with capacitor not long ago a uh, development block that he ran with great success that's part of it part of your answer i could go further into the the features so and lot. the changes so yeah it's it's a lot it's not like what's your name what's your max is and yeah. what's your I don't, it does ask you your, your competition style. Are you high bar, low bar? And also where you miss lifts. What are your weak points? Are you missing in the hole? Are you missing off the chest? Are you missing off the floor? What, you know, all of that factors into exercise selection. All of that factors into starting volume, how much you should do. Um, all that's going to factor into if you select, hey, let's just do default. What, what, is the, what periodization does the system think? It's not only going to give you linear. It's going to look at all those factors, pull together what volume it thinks you can handle within your development blocks, and then it's going to adjust your training and periodization appropriately. But that's just a starting point. That's just to get the best like, hey, don't know anything about you. Let's get you started off on the right foot. But from there, the workouts change day to day based on a readiness score. The readiness score is tracked to get fatigue trends. Those mm. trends, as well as end of week reviews, feed into the system to adjust what happens in the next week or the next block. And depending on what happens in a block, that's going to impact the entire macro cycle. And depending on how your meat goes and what happens, that could readjust and backward chain through the whole process and change the whole thing, depending on what happened in the meat or not. It, it, there's really no way to know. Um, it's kind of a funny thing when you make a system like this because you don't get to look at all of it. Uh, the nice thing about an expert system is it does not have the black box issue. The black box issue that is associated, a lot of people are familiar with the term machine learning. The machine learning is you, you have an input and you have an output. So you, you know what you put in and you know what you got out, but you don't really know how it got there. With an expert system, because of the way the inference engine is rule-based, you can follow back through and figure out in human readable language why the system did what the system did. And that's very important ethically for all of us as coaches. We need to know why it's doing what it's doing. Mm. Moreover, we can't plug in research that humans are doing over on the side into the system if we don't have a way to get into that system and actually update it with what we know to be the case. Um, it creates a lot of issues if you throw machine learning in as the model. It's why there is no machine learning version of this type of product at this time. The only thing you have is computer visioning machine learning where it might look at joint angles or form with a few companies that are starting to do that. That's different than the programming being machine learning. That aside, um, 
that's kind of how the system works. And that's, that's the complexity of it. It's I don't know. Your viewership has probably dropped to about three at this point. No, right? you know what? <laughs> but it's, it's like, that's, it's very confusing, but that's what it does. And as far as the user experience, you don't have to see all that or know all that. You just got to open up the app, fill out the questions truthfully and do what it says. Um, and know that there are people behind that, that you can, you can go ask questions about. You're going to be able to hit Mike up on social media and say, Hey, why, why is this happening? Why do you think the system's doing this? He's going to have an answer for you. You can hit me up. Uh, we're going to know. It's not something where it's just like, Oh, who knows? It's, it's coming out of that algorithm, whatever it thinks that, that wonderful omniscient algorithm. And, and it's, it's the true God. And it's like, no, People and coaches are very important, and a variety of voices, a variety of people, a plurality of voices is critically important to getting the best that we can offer as humans to assist one another. We really do need to come together instead of fracturing and siloing out and trying to hold things to ourselves. And again, this whole project is trying to bring the best of the best to everybody so that they can have it, because there's just not enough great coaches to meet the demand out there. And it's too expensive for most people to afford anyways. Um, all the time when I was trying to, back in the day, the first coach I ever had, I was a sponsored athlete for uh, for TSA, the strength athlete. The only way that I possibly was able to do that was because they offered it to me for free for a year. I never could have afforded coaching. And I just felt like it wasn't fair that I got such a great service there when there are other people that can't afford that. So anyways, that's when, that. When you're... um. When you're looking at, cause look, there, there's some coaches out there. You could go get a coach and he's going to fire you off a template and he's just going to keep firing off templates, taking your money. And then, um, your meat comes like, how'd your meat go? And then after the fact, whereas like, if you have an app, that's actually going to be like, look at this week, woof, that was your numbers. And the app is telling itself, well, we, the expectation level would have been this. So we're going to adjust and it's constantly adjusting. Coaches get lazy. Coaches don't get back in time. Coaches aren't looking at a plethora of different things, like a plethora of different possibilities. Whereas this app never rests and it will always, it's right on time. As soon as you punch in numbers and you're not just off like a template that's not moving is what you're saying. What kind of possibilities, like how many possibilities are there in this thing? Oh man. Like incalculable? Is this is that a yeah, ridiculous question? I, I did the math one time. This was back before the the possibility of benchmark sets being added to exercises was introduced. But I think it was in the quintillions of possible Holy outcomes. Shit. I even forget how many. I just stopped at that point. I said, "Okay, it's enough. It, it's it's certainly enough." And that was starting points. What I just went through, like. I don't know. You, it may be like, I, I found this out. I respond much better to linear periodization on my benching, but I respond best to alternating on my squatting and undulating for my deadlifting. That's because I'm a sumo deadlifter. My hips get really beat up. So I can really only go heavy like once every three weeks or so. Uh, squatting is really a up, down, up, down. I'm, I'm good one week then I'm bushed the next, and then I'm good to go again. And that works well, but benching, apparently I can just do an infinite amount of volume and just make it harder and harder all the time. And it doesn't matter. I would never expect to go to a coach and have them figure that out. And also how would it, what would you have to track as a coach, a one-on-one -on -one coach? And how much time would you have to spend to actually figure that out about a person? It's more than what you need or what you can afford to give a person and have like a, a life and a family. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, some coaches do get lazy. What I've seen is the best coaches. Um, they actually want to live their life and like have healthcare and <laughs> afford a home and things like that. If you're having only, let's say 30 clients, which would be just, oh my gosh, 30 clients 
checking in daily and weekly like they can with this app and getting feedback in that sort of a, a, a timeline. I mean, what does your life look like? I, I don't even know how you would do that. And that's just with 30 clients. Um, I've done the one-on-one coaching thing and that's where this, a lot of this comes from. I just couldn't scale it to actually support my family. And so I had to figure something else out, which is why I learned to code and why I learned to replicate these processes and figured out how to get a mind into an inference engine to do this. And now I see the possibilities of not just getting one mind in, but getting the whole of the scientific and coaching community into a single space and allowing people more options in how they consume training. Because a piece that's, that's important here is there is no right way to train per se. The right way is at minimum the way that you enjoy and actually will do. I mean, Mike, I, I would say, ask Mike about some of the weird things that he has seen people respond to. I mean, it is not always, you do sets of 10, sets of eight, sets of six, sets of three, peak, and then that's perfect. I mean, Mike, can you speak to to the human body and, and how weird this thing can get? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen some stuff that you would look at on paper and think, well, that's, not great uh but then you give it to a particular athlete and they respond well to it but the other side of that too is that it you don't often really you don't ever look at a program a well-written program and you're just blown away by the brilliance of the thing that you're looking at right we all know that the magic isn't in the single program the magic is in that updating of the program the the fine-tuning it uh, it's how it adapts to you over time, right? That there's nothing I could write on a piece of paper where you would just you you would just be struck by the brilliance of this powerlifting program. No, it's it just doesn't work like that. That's why we don't, you know, we will say things like, uh, you know, there's no such thing as the best program or the the greatest program doesn't exist. Blah blah blah. But that's why it's because it's not a program. It's a system. Uh, and there are systems that are better than others. And that's, that's what a coach, that's why you pay a coach is to handle that process for you. Uh, and the rest of it is trying to design a system that can uh, export that system uh, to more and more people. Mm-hmm. Is this, um, so do you guys think this is like the future basically is, are we moving more and more towards like, like the world period in terms of, AI, this is what we're moving towards, right? But do you think 10 years from now, what are we looking at here? Is this, is this like, is, will humans start being taken out? And it's like, um, look at this is, you guys can't calculate enough of the possibilities. You guys aren't looking at enough of the variables. You guys aren't responding quick enough. And the AI is going to be, have so many possibilities. Cause I'm assuming you're going to be updating on your end as well. Yeah, I think to answer that question, it's a yes and a no. Really what this system is doing is not replacing human coaches. And I know when it first when I first started coming on the scene, I looked back, I think I've been doing this for about eight years. It's actually been a long time uh, doing this sort of thing. But there was a lot of concern. I remember almost immediately, which struck me as odd, some coaches saying, you're putting me out of it. You're putting me out of work, like YouTube comments. I was like, that's weird. Because what it's really doing is it's freeing up coaches. It's freeing up coaches from the programming side of things, which is putting together exercises, sets, reps, and intensity in an appropriate way. It's freeing them up from that to do what I think actual coaching is, which is far more about a relationship. 
I, I think there's so much more to lifting than just the program and just the, the numbers and letters on a page. I think there's more to strength than that. Um, Mike and I have mused eloquent lately on having fun while training. Like how important is the fun factor in actually having good training? You know, did you feel and enjoy your training and have fun because you were PRing or were you hitting your PRs because you were having fun? I don't know. I, I certainly had the most fun when I was starting lifting probably in high school. And that's when my bench grew the most. So who knows? But it's those sorts of questions that we want to ask and we want to look at. But I don't see it as replacing human beings. I see it as freeing human beings from that mundane, oh, my God, it's Sunday night. I got 20 programs I got to write and send out. And inevitably, there's a couple of people that aren't getting their program till Tuesday or Wednesday or maybe not at all. I don't know. There's some really bad coaches out there or they just get somebody else's program which or a template. And all of that, I mean, that's really what coaching should be about. And if it gets stuck, you know, if you get you get captured in the programming cycle where you're trying to take on more and more people and write really, really good programming, you can't do that unless you're talking to them. And they're not done with their training to have the conversation till the end of the week or whenever you're going to do it. How are you going to check in and do that? Who starts their training on a Wednesday? Who's doing the Wednesday to Tuesday cycle? I mean, that, we just don't think that way usually. And so that's what we're trying to free people up for. Um, what do you do for meet day psychology? Uh, you know, who, who's going to help you when you've got jitters? What, what impact does that? You could have the best training cycle in the world. Every set and rep, everything's perfect and dialed in. And you get to the meet and you're, oh my gosh, deer in the headlights, scared. And your meat's terrible. Or your water cut. Or, oh my goodness, I forgot my belt. I don't know. There's all sorts of things where it's like, there's more to lifting than just the programming. But the programming is we extremely talk, important. We talk a, a lot uh, about there being a, a skill to training as well. So even just the process of going to the gym and, and doing your program, the program is an, it's basically a list of instructions for what you should do, but it can't be a complete list, right? It can't tell you how much focus and effort should you bring to this set because mm. it, it might be easy to say, well, give every set your best, right? Well, that's not realistic. That's just not how people work. You know, there are sets where, you want to bring more energy and then other sets where it's okay to dial back a little bit. Uh, there's the, the entire technical side of the sport uh, and, and performance in general. Um, you know, Garrett alluded to sports psychology and things like that. So there's a lot of layers that do go beyond the program. And it's not that those things are uh, inaccessible, but, you know, I, I do think it goes back to what you're saying, Garrett, about freeing people up. Uh, to be more attentive uh, to those kinds of things. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Ryan. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, um, is that why, like with this AI um, and how AI, like looking into the future once again, and, and God knows where AI is going to take us. Is that why John Hack is on this project in case he needs to save humanity <laughs> in 10 years time? Cause I feel better if now that John's eyes are on this, and we have we have our Titan and our warrior to defend the world just in case, fellas. He's the failsafe, right? Is that what's going on here? Uh, well, I, I joined actually when I heard that Mike was a part of it. That's so, a good move. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. That's a failsafe. Mike's in. You're like, this has got to be solid. Yeah, because I was pretty hesitant at first when uh, cause they came to Andy uh, before me. And then 
you know, obviously we have our own app. So it was kind of like, ah, I don't want to like split my time, like promoting one versus the other. Right. And um, like, obviously we would get like a, a beer cut from like our, our app. But uh, yeah, once I found out like just who was all involved with it and who was like on board at that point, um, that was kind of when I started being like, okay, this, this could definitely go somewhere and like, um my motivation mostly is um you know you, I, I think it's kind of weaned down a little bit recently where like i like it was very common a few years ago where someone would do a meet and then also they're like oh offering coaching mm. like people and i think that's still the case but um a little bit less but now it's uh like uh garrett mike said not everyone can afford like a mike to share as a coach but now they basically can with this app and right like yeah i, I hard enough to know that mike's a much better coach than me and like hey it gives me an opportunity to learn from him to be a part of this project and just like talk to like him dr gooden Kristen, andy about how they coach and just gain knowledge but also then help provide that to as many people as we can yeah and as yeah. an athlete too are you well, like um nice of you to say, man? I'm definitely on board for some bench tips the next time we get together. <laughs> Dude, your bench is fucking ridiculous lately, John. Holy smokes. It's one oh. weird trick he's he's not telling you, Mike. <laughs> right. yes. it's, on, it's on the app, guys. It's on the app. It's <laughs> on the app. <laughs> that's right. And that's why Andy's in here. See the marketing right. genius. Andy, did your shirt come off already? We can't it's talk. Still, oh, I'm it's keeping it professional okay. right now. Yeah. That's right. Okay, right. That's, that's the later. first time I've seen him this way, actually. That's, that's right. But, but John, John also, he hasn't, I don't know. John, I'm going to ruin your IP here. Uh, but John sent me something really cool that he had pulled together. Um, he had searched uh, for kind of a company that was going to be able to, to really match his own coaching acumen and capacity and he created a system called jarvis uh that he sent me actually which was really cool um and we'll we'll find a way to implement some of john's own programming ideas as we're moving forward and we're pulling these these various voices together but the problem with a lot of the systems out there right now is they're just too static they just haven't quite gotten to that point and i think a lot of that has to do with the marketing component Again, there is no, like you, Andy started out you know, like, well, you're the person that pulled it together and he threw it over to me and I'm like, well, kind of, sort of, but not really. We all pulled each other together and there really isn't one single face on this product because it is a plurality of, of voices. I've said that a lot here, but it is very true because there's so much to add. I mean, people can look at John and think, oh, look how strong he is. He must just be a dumb meathead. And it's like, no, John's like real smart. Like he's probably smarter than you, probably by like a lot. He, he like wins competitions for being smart without trying. And so, but he sent me that system and kind of talked about how he had wanted, he went to a company and said, hey, can you make this? And they're like, no, this is way too advanced for our system. We can't do that. And I think that's because it just doesn't fit the model for a lot of these companies that are out there that want to put out static content, brand it with somebody and move forward. And while that's great, and while it may produce some good training and it's in an app, it's not really tailored to the individual. And I think we all see the value in that moving forward. And it's about how do we pull that into a single cohesive system that we really can build out so that it does everything that we would want it to do. Um, 
even beyond strength sports. I mean, you've asked a little bit about the future. Our, our future is anywhere there's expert coaches and research being done. We want to be there. That expands beyond just powerlifting. Um, and there's a lot in the future that looks very bright for where we can go and what we can do. But we need to make sure that we always keep in touch with the athletes and respect what they bring to the table. Um, they've learned so many intangible things that we have to try to make tangible so that we can get it into that inference engine. We have to be paying attention to coaches and coaches need to be respecting and listening to researchers and vice versa. So often we separate out and we put research on a pedestal, but it's like, look, that was a 12 week study. What does that tell you about a, a 20 year powerlifting career? Well, not nothing, but also not everything. And so holding this tension together of mutual respect and growing and working together, um, keeping that human component behind the process and driving it forward is really what I think this company is about. John, what is this uh, Jarvis thing? What, what it, tell me about this. You, you, cause now I'm interested. Oh, um, so this was kind of like the first run of it, basically like the way I kind of do my programming the off season, which is like kind of the whole idea behind the art of the proven app was, was like, it was going to be our programming, which it still is, uh, but I had, I had to kind of tweak it a little bit to like fit with what the, the software could, could do. But, uh, basically like in the off season, I go in, I think that's kind of different from a lot of people. Like I go into a workout with like a weight and an intensity in mind versus like a rep scheme and intensity. So like, I'm gonna I'm going into like bench. I'm like, I'm going to load 430 on the bar. I'm going to do as many reps until I get to like an RPA, like hopefully mm. seven reps. But if I like get to six and I'm like, all right, that's an RPA, then I'll rack it. And then next week I'll just, I'll just kind of like keep on increasing the, the weight each week versus trying to um, match up the weight with like a prescribed rep scheme. And yes, that's interesting. So it's, um, See, that's a different way of approaching it, right? Like a lot of people do, this is the weight, or sorry, this is the reps and sets. Let the weight be dictated by how you're feeling. Whereas you're going a little bit differently. And that's kind of like where Mike was bringing. And that's why you have different people involved in this project. But that's kind of what Mike would do with the RPE, et cetera. Whereas you're kind of approaching with, look, I'm going for this weight. Um, how many reps isn't as important as the weight itself, like the intensity and, uh, gotcha. Interesting, man. Frank, yeah. John, are you sure you want everybody to start knowing all your secrets, dog? Because yeah, this is, is this the next thing right now? You're, how much, how much of a, what else is in this now? I mean, interested, John. I don't know. And then like, it just kind of, it, it was kind of like a little bit like AI based where like it based like. You would input like your RPE, and then it would calculate um, like how much weights go up the next week. Um, what you like, it would give you like a goal rep scheme. Like, I'd be like, oh, for four thirty, like you want to try and hit seven reps, but if you only get next next week, you'll go like four thirty-five or something like that for six reps. And had you gotten the rep you wanted, maybe it goes up more aggressively or something like that. Kind of like, yes, correct. Hmm. Wow. You guys really are got some different. So this is all in the same app, these different various programming ideas. There's, there's a lot behind it and part of it. So the complication comes in and this is where we're, we're trying to provide a single user experience. So people don't have to know 
hey, here's so-and-so style, so-and-so style, so-and-so style. And it's really siloed out where we've got individual styles, maybe all within the same app ecosystem, but you're only using one system. Well, how do you know which of those is right for you? And can the system tell you which is right? Mm-hmm. And then if you're doing a marketing business thing, it's like, well, you can't have your system tell someone who's using someone's product that's getting a percentage of that to jump over here because that's going to create issues. So it's like, how would you... And we have all basically... I don't know. I feel like everybody was very brave for lack of a better word. It's like, I think about the people that are here. They all had their own things going all everybody, everybody was doing their own thing. And yet they decided to really put it on the line because they got behind the vision of we, we can make something better together. And so, yeah, it, it's not done. I, I'll just say that it's, it's live. <laughs> you can go to evolveai.app and check it out. It's live, but it's not done. This is not the program it is an evolving process where, again, we are speaking into it and it is it is not finished. If it was finished, I'd be rather disappointed. That'd be rather lame. Um, it is constantly going to be evolving and growing. And so what John's articulating here, a different way of conceptualizing training, there's certain people that that's going to appeal to that will find benefit from that. There are others that are going to find a variety of development blocks on the way that Mike is programming training where maybe I I think Brett Gibbs was one of the examples that he mentioned who was doing like sets of eight or sets of 10 heading right in to IPF worlds for his peak. No one would do that normally, but because the system had been monitoring his benchmarks, that was the right way to go. And another thing you mentioned men and women, I don't know if a lot of male coaches, which it's still dominated, I feel like percentage wise by male coaches, do they think about how Uh, a period affects a female's capacity to work out? Does the development cycle need to line up with that? Is that an important metric? Mike's, uh, the uh, Emerging Strategies course has a whole lesson on that particular piece, which, man, if you haven't thought about that, are you really ready to coach just anybody? Um, And these are the sorts of things where if you talk to one person, you're never going to get all the answers. There's, what is it, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where they've got the little notebook with how to get past all the trials. And, you know, Indy talks to his dad, you know, why don't you remember? And he's like, I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to remember. And it's funny, but it's true. Mike's probably forgotten more about training than most of these new coaches selling their templates. know. <laughs> you got to write it down and, and apply it. And then you get into all sorts of other things, confirmation bias, um, anchoring on what you've written in the past. And, and we can all, no matter how hard we try, get, in a rut with how we coach and how we program. The inference engine is going to remember all the possible options and be a little bit more objective in how it does it. Obviously, we're still writing the rules, so our ruts may get in there despite our best efforts. But it's an attempt to try to make things more objective and move towards an optimal, um, an optimal way of doing things. That does, however, sometimes create a unfeeling or a very unemotional. It is not an emotional app. But that's a very important part of the training process and how we conceptualize training. And that's where I say it's not meant to replace coaches, but really meant to provide programming to people that's going to free up coaches to do the actual coaching, to focus on the relationship, to focus on the psychology, on the form, on the actual interaction with the athlete, rather than just sitting there and interacting with an Excel sheet, which is not the best part of coaching for most coaches. And how much is this app? It is going to come out $14.99 a month. So again, we wanted to make it very affordable to people. A lot of training apps, you're thinking more like $30 to $50 a month. 
Mm. And I, well, we could charge that. In fact, I had some advisors and business advice that well, you're charging, you're not charging enough. We want to offer it at least at the introduction for people to get in and take a look at it at a much lower price point. Um, it really is meant to be for everybody. And it has cost a lot of time and money. I and mean, this is the culmination of eight years of my work, but I'm, I didn't start out or intend to do this to milk people for as much as they're willing to pay. At the same time, yeah, we got to pay for servers and we got to pay for development and we want to keep things rolling forward. But yeah, so that's the price. And um, John, how long have you been devising your programming to be like that? Have you developed this over over time? Because I remember, I'm trying to remember back in 2016, like the first time you came on this podcast and you had, your even your training was a little different back then. Um, yeah, I don't think my programming really has changed like too much since even then. Uh, it was just kind of small little tweaks. Like I haven't drastically changed anything. I always did my own programming even when, even when I was like coaching with uh, Joey. Joey, yeah. Um, during the off season, like he, I would hit him up like 10, 12 weeks out from me. Be like, all right, like let's get to work on peaking for this. But I always did my own off season stuff. So that's kind of um, the idea behind how um, I've just kind of done my off season training. It's very, very much um, auto regulated and just kind of going on, on feel. And it was, has it always been, um, go in with the weight in mind first and then the reps and sets. What about sets to this, this, this? So if the reps for a set varies, do you also vary the sets based off of how the weight's moving? Or are you like, all right, if I was planning on five, I only got three instead of only doing five sets. Like I thought originally, cause I'm getting less reps. I'm actually going to do more sets to get the same amount of reps. Like, does that start shifting around on you as well? Or, uh, so that's kind of, I guess, um, like each off seasons, it's honestly just kind of hot. Like at the beginning of the off season, I kind of decide like how I'm going to do it. Like sometimes I'll do it like straight sets where I'll do like a five by five or like I'll, I'll pick a weight and I'll try and hit that for like, you know, four or five sets. Um, and then sometimes I'll like do, uh, like ramp up sets where like I'll start maybe. I'll, I'll be planning to do like four sets. Um, the first ones will be like seven reps or something like that. And then the lap, the top set will be the one where I kind of push it to that, mm. that or, uh, or even just like a top set and then drop downs. Mm. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of like how I feel at the beginning of the program. Um, I don't think like, I don't think that kind of uh, the difference between like a straight set versus a ramp up versus like a top set, as long as you're kind of like getting the work in, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think there's like a major difference between those. It's just as long as I'm having like, like Garrett and Mike said, like I'm, as long as I'm having fun with the training, I'm, I seem to do well with it. And I kind of pick which one sounds the most fun at the time. Yeah. Like it's interesting because some people, in terms of getting that work in, like you said, some people, if they're, if they have the big top set to go, they can keep their enthusiasm as they work their way up. So those working sets are fine to get through. Um, but once you get that big top set, when you're like, okay, like you're like, you know, all excited for the big top set, the big top weight. And then you have all the work afterwards. That's when people's enthusiasm drops off. The adrenaline drops off. You're like, fuck me. 
fuck my life in terms of the the fun having like now we got all these other sets to take care of so so you know it depends on the person like you said where um all right you don't want to be tired by the time you get to the top set but you want to get enough work in while enthusiasm's still high because it's probably going to drop off quite a bit because when you get that top set sometimes you're pacing the gym and you're getting a little amped up and whatever hard to keep coming back after that so when you get some work done before there sometimes it's easier so it's yeah it depends on the person right depends how you're feeling and yeah and i mean that for me even like changes from cycle to cycle like which one i'm gonna be most motivated to to right yeah yeah it's interesting um and and mike how about yourself over the over the past like all of these years what are some of the changes you've implemented um, from the get-go because you obviously you know you brought in rpe right and but everyone knows you as that but you use percentage based or whatever just because you brought rp yeah. doesn't mean like this is all i do and uh whatever anything else right. offends me but um how, how have you kind of changed over the years um developing this i mean philosophically i've especially from a programming standpoint i think that i want to be able to develop a program that's the best fit for the athlete even if it's one of those programs that I would never write on its own. Uh, like to give you an example, uh, we had an athlete who was just a really, I mean, he just didn't really respond well to training at all. Uh, but what we came up with that was his best response to training was something that was like a crazy low amount of work. It was something like five or six working sets for all of lower body in a week. You oh my know? god. And I mean if you think about it, like that's I'm main jealous. lifts, accessories, and everything. Like he if you did any more than and they were all fairly easy too, like seven RPE. You know, if you did any more than that, he would start to break down. He couldn't he would get beat up and injured or didn't gain any strength. And I would never look at that program and think, yeah, that's the one. You know? <laughs> but it was the one for him, and that's the important thing, right? So RPE. Uh, is a tool to that you know gets us hopefully closer uh, to that in certain situations. But there's tons of other other tools as well. Um, you know the way that we use uh, benchmarking sets and top sets and uh, things like that to give us uh, feedback into the system on athlete performance. Uh, the way that we manage volume. Uh, so. Not sure how far down the rabbit hole you want to go here, but like this idea of, you know, counting number of hard sets or uh, counting effective reps or something along those lines is being a a more robust model for uh, uh, tracking volume, let's say. Well, that's those are really good heuristic methods and they get at something that's real, but they're also just kind of these rule of thumb methods, right? So if you, you're talking to your buddies and, and, or I just gave an example of a guy who was doing, you know, five, six working sets per week, you know, well, that's a very different experience if they're like five or six extremely hard sets per week versus five or six moderately hard sets per week, you know, uh, just how hard is hard and what kind of impact does that have? you know, that's, it can make a big difference. And for people like me, it's fun to go down the rabbit hole on uh, figuring that out. Like, well, you know, I want to know 
what the differences are and be able to, to pull it all apart. But at the end of the day, when you go to the gym, you need to know what to do in a, in a very actionable way. Mm. You know, and it's best if kind of all those decisions have been made at that point and you can just take your plan and carry it out. You know, so um, I think that's also something that's valuable in, in a, having a system for this type of thing. You know, you can, you can figure it all out, you know, you know, well, uh, in this case, you know, uh, well, to give you another example, uh, coaches love to complain about the athlete that overshoots. You know, uh, I said do a triple at eight and they really did a triple at 10, you know, uh, or they, you know, tried to YOLO and max out, right? And then they tag. But how do coaches, right? Yeah. Well, how do coaches tend to handle that? It's just like slap on the wrist for the athlete. Hey, don't do that again. Um, and we pretend it didn't happen and we just kind of keep moving forward with the program. But if you think about it, that's probably not the, the right answer. If you were to, if that, this was your only thing, the only thing that you had to occupy your time, you were like, let me just figure out the most ideal solution for this that I can. It wouldn't be just pretend it didn't happen, right? There's some better solution. Well, if you have a system that is accounting for these types of things and does all that math on the back end, you know, you don't have to figure out how many workouts downstream is that going to impact uh, yeah, uh, yeah. or, you know, changes to your average intensity. Like that all can get calculated and factored back in. Maybe the answer is, you know, well, in the next workout, we're going to drop two sets and we're going to lower the intensity a little bit. You know, there's a there's a real tangible uh, sort of adjustment to be made there. And we can figure out what that is. You know, so I don't know. your question originally is like, what's changed about my coaching? And the answer is pretty much everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so well. I mean, with the, with these kind of programs coming out, it makes you have to rethink things, right? You start, it'd be interesting just to, as a coach, it's almost like, um, I could see coaches getting this in just, it's almost like a consultation device as well to be like, Oh shit. Okay. Well, maybe that's more impactful than I would have thought. Like my, for instance, like the scenario you just said, where my athlete just did a silly and wrap um, or whatever, uh, our RPE tend it. And you're like, this is what I would normally do. But if you're just tracking it with this app, it might even tell you like, oh, this is interesting. You know what the app is suggesting, what not like this is going to, this just like the athletes, but coaches as well might start taking in this information. And it's like some food for thought here, you know, because some people get into this narrow vision. This is how I always deal with it. You know, the next day you're going to do yeah. this. Well, maybe it's not like that every time, right? Or maybe what if you're like, holy shit, we we actually needed an RB10 today. Yeah. You know? well, <laughs> like, yeah. you know? I mean, that's the other thing too. Like people love to complain about stuff like that. But I mean, from an athlete's standpoint and a coach's standpoint, you know, how many how many opportunities like that do you get? You know, you take somebody who's got a lot of experience, especially, you know, uh, technique is my favorite example around this because uh, people think, you know, doing technique work means lifting little lightweights and just being conscious of your technique. Well, if you've been doing this for a while, that's not doing anything for you. It's not presenting any sort of technical challenge for you to overcome. You have to be a little bit mindful about it. But 
you know, it's something easy to overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, the real technical challenge that comes in honestly harder and harder sets. You know, if you're going to a competition and your opener and your second attempt don't show clear technical breakdowns, it's that third attempt where things are are starting to hit a limit. You know, and if if it takes that much intensity for you to you know to present a technical challenge, then I mean, how often can you go there? You know, mm. it, it becomes harder and harder to get that kind of practice is what I'm getting at. And I think that's really important to moving you forward. Now, that's also really expensive from a recovery standpoint or from a, um, just a time management standpoint, opportunity costs and, and whatnot. But that doesn't make it any less important. You know, so figuring out the balance, like how do you trade these things off? Uh, so that you're developing long term, you know, that's that's important to to at least wrestle with it, you know. And there's also sometimes you just know I've worked with some coaches and I've said, like, look, at, I really want to do this. This is our program. What are you thinking? And the coaches told me flat out. They're like, OK, first off, I you're going to do this. Right. Like, let's be honest. Right? You're a grown ass man. And second off, if you're emotionally bought in and you hit that that could be huge for your enthusiasm moving forward confidence. And this is something where, um, you know, your knee jerk reaction as a coach could be like, don't do it. But the numbers afterwards might be like, well, all systems are gone. Now worked out well, wouldn't be, wouldn't have been on the program, but like the next week, you know? Right. So I mean, it changes some things too. Like when you start to have that capability, you know, because now it puts things on the table, like, uh, look, there's still times when, you know, doing your YOLO max out is going to be a bad idea. Like it's yeah. going to come with costs that you'd rather not pay. You're three weeks out from a comp or something like that. But in other situations, it, it changes the dynamic where all of a sudden that's not always a bad thing and we can account for it and it doesn't, you know, waste the whole training block or something like that. So, yeah, you know, it opens more of these possibilities for you to, uh, I don't do things dynamically and then have that adjustment clean up the mess afterwards. That's it. You know, that, yeah, based off. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's okay. Like I, I do work with a lot of athletes that get really committed to doing what's written on the page and that's commendable up to a point. But it, again, like what I said before, it's the adjustment that matters the most, you know, so it, we have to remain flexible and we can't let what's written on the paper tell us to do something stupid. You know, we can't let what's written on the paper talk us out of a bad idea or talk us uh, out of a good idea. Mm. You know, um, I suppose that's the one you want it to talk you out of a bad idea. Well, <laughs> but like, like a good friend, yeah. but sometimes a good friend will talk you into a bad idea too, buddy. Yeah. Let's go. Well, yeah. It, it's just being, it, it, to me, it's, it's kind of understanding its proper place in, in the hierarchy here. Like it's a well-considered plan, but it can't account for every single variable. And, you know, you're going to do things and make decisions and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, but then an adjustment needs to be made, you know, and as long as that's a possibility, you're in a better situation than just pretending it never happened. Andy, because uh, you're a coach, you're an athlete, uh, you know, you've done it all. 
in terms of like when you were brought on, on to this project, you know, what are some of the things that you wanted to bring in terms of like your programming and how you've seen your programming change? And, you know, do you think some of your ideas will be implemented in terms of like your programming style and what was exciting for you? Well, let's just say I just, I'm over the years, I've, the way I've changed or evolved is like, I don't have a style, you know, I do RPE, I do percentage, I do both. I do ramping up, I do straight sets. So it's like, I knew that this program would just help. Um, I would learn more from it than versus like what I thought I could implement into it. It just helps me understand how the collective information that's put into this, it helps me learn how, like how uh, other people or, or other coaches have uh, made adjustments and stuff like that. So it's just kind of like having the systems in place where, where it, it teaches you how, or it shows you what the adjustments need to made to be made. And, you know, all the research that's gone into it that Garrett has put in and other people have put in of like, you know, this is, this is from science and from firsthand experience. And I haven't been coaching as long. Uh, so that's why I just, I've, I've always been like flexible, like Mike talked about and not open to just learning uh, about, how to change, how to pivot from uh, problems or overshoots and all these things. And that's where, like, the, the, like Mike said, the, the having a system already in place where it, it's already kind of automatically going to adjust that for you. It, it, it's very, uh, it's a great advantage for everybody who mm. uses it, even coaches. It, it, the thing is too, you know, you say like, well, you know, I'm, I'm learning because I haven't coached that long. I tell you what, Doug, Mike T still learning. This never ends. It's crazy. It it is like, um, yeah, every year, the more we, we, well, even honestly, when I look at this, I honestly think when we start doing AI to start gauging things, just like when Mike said, Hey guys, let's bring over RPE. And then, you know, certain things start augmenting the sport in general. Now that we're starting to get better and better AI, look, the AI five years ago, isn't AI today. AI today isn't going to be AI in five years. Um, you know, and at some point I'm fucking can't stress enough. John Hack's going to have to save the world, but that's fine. We got him on board, but, uh, but we are all going to start learning about this. I wonder how this is going to start impacting eventually AI instead of AI, just pulling from us. Eventually we're going to start pulling from the AI and start being like, ah, there was a problem solver right there. That was interesting how it, it chose those decisions. And, um, you know, it could start impacting training wise. It depends. We'll have to see. It's a very interesting topic. You know, yeah. I, I want to point out something. I, I think you already hit the nail on the head. Um, but Andy's comments too. everybody here is learning. And that's why I said, like, it's, it's not finished. It, like, it, 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 there's tremendous pride to say, you know, this is the best program ever, which I've said, I don't know. There's probably a point where we all have said that about anything we've made, but a lot of what's been said uh, by John, Mike and Andy here, they're not, they're not in uh, in a tribe. They're not in their in-group of this is our tool that we have made kind of our God and we worship at the altar of RPE or of percentage or of, uh, you know, block periodization or the future method or whatever tool you might pick. That's just a small component, a way with of doing training with pros and cons. There are always pros and cons. There's pros and cons to expert systems. But none of the people on this project and none of the people here today 
think in terms of this is the way, the one way, and everybody who does it different than this is an idiot and can never get strong. And that's the type of people that had to be on the team because they have to be able to work together. They have to be able to be willing to learn and change and grow and evolve. We're not here to stay the same. And kind of what John was talking about, he's like, well, one training cycle, it may have been this way, but then the next it's this way because I, I thought it was right. I felt it was right. And he's he knows something that he's not even fully aware of. There's something he was following, the trail of athlete response, and even looking forward into what he would find enjoyment with. That was probably impactful in some way that we don't have research on yet, but hopefully someday will, to his success. You know, and why has he been able to do what he's done? Part of that's amazing genetics and you know, his work ethic and staying with it and doing all these things for these years. But there's probably a factor of enjoying it. You think about Ed Cohen, who loved the future method. Pick your date, make your program every little thing is and follow the plan to the T. That worked for him. He found enjoyment in that. I'm not saying that he would have been stronger doing it John's way or that John would have been stronger doing it his way. But that they both found their way and infusing mm. choice into an app, not forcing people to look, we're going to do a million sets of submax work and throw volume at you until you get stronger. Or, Oh, all we're going to do is high intensity, low volume. And we're just, you need to get super psyched up and smash your head into the bar. No, but if that's the way that works for you, we have the ability to access those ways of training and follow what actually works. So you may think something works for you and the system may find out it doesn't, or, and I'm more prone to think this way, when you are allowed to train in the way that does mesh with your own personal style, and you have coaching on top of that, that's in line with all the markers and decisions, if you happen to deviate, overshoot, undershoot, whatever the case may be, that that's the best system not the best program because it's not a program, but that's the best system for a person to use because it's taking seriously their own autonomy, their own dignity as a human being and valuing that maybe the user has something to bring to this that the inference engine can never know ahead of time, but that it needs to be prepared to respond to as it's working synergistically with the user because mm. that's a critically important part of it. Um, it's, it's through this interaction in terms of this way, it's a programming relationship that I think the best result comes out. Listen, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. We ran past it, but, um, I wanted to get some other conversation in there. I had some questions for all you guys and thank you guys for playing along. Um, thanks for coming on. It is what it is. We'll have, we have to have you guys back on, if not all together, then individually at certain, certain points in time. Um, anybody, any other last notes you think we should toss out there? Do you think we hit everything? Um, can I just summarize the, yeah. the, the, the app to make it 100%. very, very simple for the layman? It is better than a template because it's smarter. It goes off your feedback. You can be as involved as you want in the app, or you can not answer all the questions. It's whatever your involvement is. So it's very tailored to what you want. It's cheaper and it's the future of programming and is backed by the top people in the sport. And I don't see why you shouldn't buy it. Done. There it is. There, there it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Succinct. Okay, perfect. Well, listen, fellas, I appreciate you. Anybody listening to this podcast, as usual, subscribe, give us high ratings. It is much appreciated. And that's it. Six pack lap it at. Until next time, we are out. <laughs>